through it. Um, let's be yourself and and a one and a two and a one, two, three and hello guys, welcome back to our series of podcasts. Today we have uh, Brianna Rodriguez, Alison Palmer, and Pedro Beltran, and we're going to be talking about some reflections about COVA. So let me guys get you started with the first question, which is when or where or when did you realize that you genuinely had choice, ownership, and voice through authentic assignments? What do you think, guys? Um, I would say that that became very clear to me in the e-portfolio course, especially because we were asking all of these questions like, well, what site should I use? What do I need to put on it? What should I blog about? What should it look like? And the only answer we got was, it's yours. Yeah. So it was really just, I was like, um, what? <laughs> I felt very lost in the dark about that. But I think that's just like when it hit me, I was like, oh, he really means like, it's ours. Like we can do whatever we want with it. Especially when it was consistent because he was keep repeating every class is whatever you want, whatever you want. But you realize that people don't give you that that option. It doesn't say, are you, you, I was trying to test it like, are you for real? Is this for real? Like for real, for real, I can do whatever I want. Like, she's like, it's yours. It's your program. I can't, I keep hearing that. And for me, just like you, it hit me. Like he really wants me to come up with my thing. And, and that's when it hit me. Like that's, I would, I would say like the beginning of this, this program. And we'll say within the first month, because it took me a while to believe it. Right. Well, and then the best part about it was when you did go off and do your own thing, and he's like, well, I don't know about that. And then you turn around, and you're like, well, it's mine, right? It works for me. Couldn't it be right? And then, you know, he has to remember, oh, it is yours. You do have choice. So you do get to do whatever you want with it. I think it was when Allison, what I know, I know she said it, but I don't remember which class. I think it was the first day when you brought up about doing our contribution to learning like together, instead of having to do one for this course and one for this course, why would we do that? Which seemed again for us kind of just seemed like a duh. And for him, it was not, but he took it and ran with it and accepted it. And now this is part of his whole program now. Like now th that's a thing. And right, that's you did that. Is if you're in two classes, you just do one and you connect them together. Yeah. And I, I was kind of like Pedro said, no, like he's just telling you that, but that's not a thing. And now it's a thing for all of it's been the whole program that he just let us do it. I mean, you know, it wasn't a no, you know, I didn't come up with that idea, so we can't do it. So I think that's when it hit that he actually meant what he said. So that being said, what was your guys' initial reaction when given that freedom and the responsibility to choose and to take ownership of the learning through all of these authentic projects? Definitely scary. Scary because did not know what to expect or did not know what was susceptible. So definitely scared. That would be my first reaction. I would definitely agree. I think I was terrified because I was so used to being like 
the teacher's pet, like anything the teacher wanted, I was going to do it. I don't care if I had to jump off the bridge to do it. Like, just tell me what you want to get the A. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get the A and then we're both going to leave happy. And this program is nothing like that. I wouldn't say that I was scared, but more angry. And I'm pretty sure both of you were in the group, like our very, very first group session when we it was a little bit more of us. I was angry. I, I did not like this. I didn't want it. And I truly contemplated like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this program, much less do it in a year. So it took a while to adjust. It was just something I wasn't used to. I'm no longer angry, but that was probably my first reaction. Would you say, guys, you were ready for this in this stage of your life? Would you guys would say they were ready for this change? I, if you would have asked me that in the very first class, I would have said, um, wait, no, no, absolutely not. But now being able to look back and kind of reflect on it, I definitely think I was like being forced into a situation where I had to like adapt quickly with COVID that, I mean, that was my first year teaching. I had been teaching for like two months and then suddenly I was online and that was like a whole thing and nobody knew how to do any of it. And I was like the person people were coming to with questions, even though I was the new guy. So it was almost like I was already in a position where I had to learn on my feet. And then starting this program, it was something completely unexpected and not what I anticipated. And again, having to just jump into it anyway and figure it out. Looking back, yeah, I was definitely ready for it. But at the time, oh no. <laughs> Oh, no, no. I think, I think I was ready for it a long time ago. I just didn't have the person that guide me through this journey. I think that I'm not going to say that I waste a lot of time, but I think that it would be better if I would have started a lot earlier than what I am now, uh, just because I would be exposed in so many situations where I would make a bigger change. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And I just, you know, looking forward to make those big changes now. Okay. Yep, I, I agree with everything else said. I didn't realize I was ready for it until you were in it. And now looking back, it was like, that's what I needed. Got it. So that's going to take us to our next part of the question, which is like, okay, what did you do to adjust to this style of learning? And knowing that, knowing what you know now, what do you do? What would you do differently? Embrace it. I I look back and I'm like, why was I so mad? Like he was only trying to help me, and I wish I would just would have embraced it more. I I really wish that I would have had um, our first course. I don't remember which one it was. Not the ePortfolio one, the other one, the Innovation Plan one with the growth mindset. That that's probably something that I would change because it would have helped me as a person, not with the coursework, but as a person embrace it rather than adjust to it. I think that because of the whole COVID situation, I had kind of already adjusted to just jumping into something new. But if I could go back and do it again, I, I agree. I probably would have maybe embraced that a little bit more, kind of push those kind of worries about the final product and the grade and getting it perfect the first time 
to the side because my innovation plan that I set up in the first class of this program has changed at least two or three times to now and I'm at the end. So there's no way it was going to be perfect the first time because we had no idea what we were doing. And I think that's kind of the whole point is that you're supposed to make something in that first class that's good, but not great. And then as you go through the program, you're supposed to be able to work on those reflection skills and adjust and alter and fix it. So by the end, it's still good. It's not perfect, but it's better than it was in the beginning. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I think that what I did to adjust for this uh, style of learning was rely on some things that I know that work, which is collaboration. Um, I can only say that I have been the most effective person when I'm working with other people, not as much when I'm working on my own. I'm not saying I don't, you know, don't good, I don't do a good job, but I noticed that my best work comes when I work with people. So I always tend to to always surround myself with people that are smarter than me because it's it's gonna push my it's gonna push my thinking. And the other thing that I say probably that I will do differently is I probably I will not stick to my idea as much as I have so far, just because it, it, it was I could have changed this 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 uh the whole program and my whole idea at the beginning, but I, I just kind of stick to it. And now in some ways I kind of forcing it into it. Um, so I'm evaluating whether I need to change the course now. And I know it's not going to be late, but perhaps I should do it earlier, just like you did when you switch your idea, maybe one or two times, uh, because that implies that you have to kind of change your, uh, the whole structure you set in place in the first courses. So probably that's what, mm, just like, I don't, I, I love that. I don't know if I want to do it again, all the way from scratch. So that will be it for me. Well, I don't think you have to completely go back and redo it from scratch. Like if you look at my innovation plan page on my e-portfolio, you'll definitely see where the, my first idea was. But you can also kind of see through the blog post and the newer pages on the e-portfolio, how that original plan has kind of changed and adjusted to my environment and to where I want to go. So it's almost like a little timeline of like the life cycle of my idea. And you can kind of see where I'm headed, but who knows? Now, I like that idea for, sorry, I like that idea for our, right now, our capstone, like the, oh, life, the life cycle, cycle? Uh, yeah. an analogy. So I was thinking about, I thought about it earlier. And I was like, I'm not going to say it in front of everyone, but I'll tell you guys, because I like you. I was thinking like the title of it should be, um, Oh, what was I thinking? Like innovating the innovation plan or something like that? Like, cause it's changing. And then I had, there was another one, but I can't remember. It was good though. I should have written it down. Gotcha. Okay. So that actually take us to talk, look a little bit about our audience. So let's see about how difficult it was to take control of your own voice and focus on your, as your, on your organization, as your audience or your work. So let me tell you, taking control of my own voice, that was the hardest part because I feel like I'm very new to the field. I'm very young compared to a lot of the people I work with, if not the youngest of the people I work with. So trying to speak up without being too much 
and without coming off in a way that's not respectful was really hard for me. But focusing on my audience, that part was easy. I knew who my audience was. I knew what they were looking for. I knew what the kids needed. Like that part was pretty easy. But I would say that presenting that in a way and feeling comfortable sharing all those ideas, that was kind of where the struggle was. Like I didn't want to push anybody too far. Um, you know, when I talk about, you know, how difficult it was to take over control, I think it, it took it took me a little bit of time because I was trying to look at all the examples and how everybody sounded. So I want to kind of be similar to that. And it took, it took me a while. Um, just kind of focus on my organization as my audience. I think it, it, it took a little bit to, for me to realize who my real audience was. It's always been just the students. It was just the students. And then I realized it was more than that. It was probably, you know, definitely the parents. I mean, sometimes we just work with the students and you think that these are the only people you need to work with. But then I start looking at some people that might actually support us, our, you know, liaison person, our district. Um, so I start having a different approach on the whole perspective of my audience. That was actually for me. I think even to this day, I question who my audience is, and it's always different. Um, for a very, very long time, it was me. And I know that sounds really odd, but it was, I need to know what I'm saying, because if I'm not buying it, nobody else is. So I kind of just not really faked it till I made it, but it was, what would I want? What If I was the audience, what would I be looking for? And I still sometimes do that is what would I think is useful? And I think Allison has mentioned this before. Like if they're going to, if they want to follow you, they're going to follow you. If not, they're, you could sell them gold or give them gold and they're not, they don't want it. Um, if they don't have buy-in, you it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's still where I'm at before at definitely the first course was like, I really want my principal to want this. I really want them. And now it, it's not that I don't want them to want it. It's they're not priority right now. It's I need people like me to want to do these things and believe in these things first. And then we'll get there. You got to find your dream team. That's where I'm at. Because at the beginning, I agree. I was all about like, let's get admin on board. I, they love my ideas. Perfect. Great. All good. But throughout the program, I've kind of realized it doesn't matter what they think about it if nobody else likes it. I need I need people like me, other teachers who are in the dirt who, to get on board and be on the boat with me. And that's important you said that because that goes along with what we we're about to talk, which is some of the students in the program, they have mixed feelings towards promoting change in the organization, which is your school, my school, you know, your admin. So how was your attitude towards leading this change? To grow throughout the program how was how was the attitude towards make this change into your original organization i think that i've definitely changed from a more centered on how other people view what i'm doing kind of mindset to a i just want to tell people about how awesome this could be and get them involved with me type mindset if that makes sense like instead of just being like, hey, look what I'm doing. 
Like, don't you think it's cool um, to just anybody? I am starting to search for the people who are already showing that they're interested in things like this, who may not know about e-portfolios or what you could do with them. So a lot of the teachers, well, not a lot, but some of the teachers I work with who are also really techie, I've reached out to them and I'm like, hey, did you know about e-portfolios or what this could do for the kids? Or did you know about this and how blended learning could work with the kids? And those people I've got more buy-in from than the people I was like, hey, look how cool this is. Isn't it shiny and pretty and new? They would be like, oh yeah, it's beautiful. But then that was it. So I would say that's how it's changed. I, I think I'll just refer back to what I said earlier. I just kind of am believing what I'm selling and hoping somebody notices. And it's not necessarily um, my admin, but maybe the kids and they go home and tell mom and mom tells so-and-so. And I've, I don't know, before it was kind of just like, it's my own classroom, shut my door, do what I want. You know, it, I wasn't trying to make a change. And now I am, but just maybe not through admin. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, what I can tell about me is my attitude was more like as a visionary. Um, I was more sure. I mean, most of the times you do things because you know that they work, but I have like an extra layer of support because for the first time in a long time, I started like having the research behind me. So even when I talk about this, people were like really taking it on because they saw the passion and the, and the vision that this is, could happen. Um, so I didn't have anything to kind of make me back down. Uh, and that actually was something that, I, like, I, like I show you guys what I did with my, my, profession, my professional development online with my leaders, which was already a blended learning when not all, you know, most of them did not actually know what blended learning was. They have an idea based on the words, but not really the, the specific components. And uh, that was something that gave me more uh, assurance of what I was doing was right. Okay, okay, you're doing good, guys. This is this has been a great session. So let's talk about how authentic is your how authentic is your innovation plan? Did you just create it or get it through the coursework, or did you really hope to change your organization? Is this something because we're doing it because we have to, or is this something that's really going to change your organization? What are where are you guys at on this question? I would say when I first started thinking about the innovation plan, I was like, oh God, I was like, I'm new. I have no idea. I'm going to fake it till I make it. And then the more I thought about it at that point, I was like, actually, there's a lot of problems here. And so I was like, well, I could pick something kind of broad and then, you know, maybe I'll figure it out later. So maybe not fake it till I make it, but pick something I can change. And now I would say it's full blown. It's a hundred percent like I'm trying to move up to the high school. I want to do this with the seniors. I think it would benefit them right off the bat. I want to do it with teachers. I think it would benefit them. Like I just, it's turned into and morphed into this whole like world opening up and like before my eyes. And now I'm like too optimistic for good. It's bad. Definitely my, but similar, you know, pretty much can relate a hundred percent of that. 
look at the best example the example that even the website they kind of like look alike with the one that i want and then kind of like find something similar what they did okay i can do the same thing uh but then after after a little while i realized that mine was something really specific so i had to do it on my own um but it was it was it was not as authentic at the beginning but it started having shape and it has now more something more a shape that more more a a i will say a structure that goes along with my campus and what i can do in my district i agree everything that pedro just said at first it was nobody has a kindergarten one what am i going to do i didn't want to build my own or make my own um, but now that I know what it is, I know the research, I've seen other examples. Now I'm like, okay, but how is this going to work for me? How is this going to work with my kids and my classroom? And this is no longer just, you know, somebody else's template that I'm making my own. No, this is mine. And I'm trying to make it work for my kids. This is going to be interesting because now that we talk about all the process and how we got here and what parts were real, what parts were not, uh, we start to talk about COBA. You know, how does the COBA approach in creating significant learning environments align or not align with your learning philosophy? What do you think, guys? So I'm hesitant. I had to I have I, I have to think about that for a minute. I would say uh, I would say COBA and CSLE does align with my um, learning philosophy, especially as it's changed throughout this program. Um, I can't believe I ever thought before that learning was just gonna happen without giving students choice and ownership. Like now that my eyes have been open to that, I could never go back. I mean, I can't see how not giving people choice or not having the choice as much, like for me, it blows my mind when we do professional learning and I don't get to choose what I get to learn because there's so many things I do want to learn that aren't offered or they're offered, but only for other people. And I'm like, but I, I, I already know this. I want to know that. So I would say it's definitely aligned. My eyes have been opened and there's no shutting them. I would say that it was not aligned because that was not my philosophy, but it is now because it is my philosophy, is what I'm preaching, is what I'm saying. So yeah, it was a big change. Uh, there are many, or there's only a few things that you have in, done in life that actually change you that much because you kind of have the same way that you were in high school, just a little bit improved, but you still have the same kind of things that you still do and the way that you react when you get upset. But this is a different approach to learning, which is pretty much what you do with your life. So I will say that I did not have that learning philosophy. I do have it now. That's, and it kind of goes back to what Allison said to start us off was, I was the person who just tell me what you want, I'll get it done. I, I'm going to do it. Um, that's not COVA. <laughs> that is not, you know, choice, ownership, voice, authentic learning, none of that. But it wasn't what I use, was used to. So it did not align with my learning philosophy at the time. But now a year in, again, like Allison said, it was, oh, 
like, how did I even learn anything? Because I was just memorizing and just getting by. I was doing what somebody else wanted me to do and I was content with it. And now, now that I know what I know, you can't take it back and I, I won't let you. And yeah, giving that to my kids now is the goal. It's interesting how you guys said that because you pretty much answered the last question, which was how was your perspective on learning on and your learning philosophy change? Uh, is if, you know, if there haven't been any changes, then say why? So I can speak for myself and I think I, I can read with what you guys said is that your learning philosophy has changed, has improved. Some of you were at that point, but this was a I'm not gonna say 180 degrees. I think it just kind of gets you in a 90 degrees, which is a different direction. Um, not totally opposite with what you were doing because your desire was teaching. It's just how you approach teaching. So for me it was, uh, yeah, it changed my perspective. It changed my learning philosophy for sure. Uh, it did change it. I think it also goes to show that there was a part of me that thought last year, um, I was like, there's no way that I could get my kids to change their ways or teach them this new way in a year. And yet here we are almost a year in and we've, or I've changed my learning philosophy and the way that I learn. So it's, I'm living it and it can happen. I can do it with my own kids because I just did it. I just proved it to myself. I would definitely agree with that. I think that I didn't, I didn't think that they could do what they can do or that they would understand or want to do all of this stuff, that they would view what I think is cool. It's like, oh, that's just like way too much work. Like we're not doing that. Just like how I am, like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But now if I went into a class and that's how it was, and it was like, do this paper, read this book, take this quiz, and then we're done. I think I'd go crazy. Like, I don't think, I don't think I could do that again. Well, that, that was really interesting, guys, to know more about this whole process where we are. We actually going to have a part B. We're going to have a special guest on our next component. Um, some of you might know her. Uh, she's really familiar with research, uh, literature, uh, just an outstanding administrator, soon to be a doctor. Um, Kobe Clifford will be joining us on our next session. But meanwhile, uh, for my part, Pedro Beltran, uh, Brianna Rodriguez, and Alison Palmer, we want to wish you a good time.